Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Memphis, Tennessee. Welcome to the show, Dan Butler. Thank you for having me, Victor. Excited to be on. Great to have you here. So, Dan, you're invested heavily in the Memphis market in multiple different facets. You have a property management firm, and I'd love for our listeners to hear how things are going in Memphis. Memphis is a unique market, not like some of the other markets in the central part of the country, and in particular, would love to hear about how things are going now during the pandemic. Well, that's a great question. I mean, I think we started out, um, you know, going into March, just super, super fearful, you know, with just the news and the media and course the virus and you know its impact with jobs and all that stuff but it's been super interesting to watch because you know you and I talked about this a little bit before the show started but the economic base in Memphis um, is more in that say 12 to 15 dollar an hour range and so with the big surprise for me was with stimulus checks and unemployment checks and those kind of things that our rent collection rate was actually better March April and June than previous quarters and previous months. So uh, we have not seen an impact as far as just rent collections. So that's that's been probably the biggest uh, surprise that coming out coming into and out of the last several months going into for, from the pandemic. Wow, that's extraordinary. I mean, I've heard that some markets have experienced a little bit of a dip, not a dramatic dip, but uh, to even see stronger than last year's collected numbers for the same month is extraordinary. What have you done that's different during the pandemic that you might have done on a regular month? So, yeah, that's a great question. We waived late fees. We actually accepted payment plans. And so, you know, each month was actually, you know, the first month was probably 10 or 15 people. And we, we managed close to 3,000 properties uh, in the West Tennessee area. So from a percentage standpoint, that was not bad. And we've partnered with a local nonprofit, you know, uh, making ourselves available. You know, our goal is not to kick people out or, you know, cause an eviction. We want people to pay and stay. So we've agreed to partner with local, you know, nonprofits to, if they pay the rent that we will continue to work with that tenant, uh, that resident for, you know, as long as it takes. So just try to be a little more creative, a little more forgiving, having some empathy. That's been key. I think just showing that we're trying to be good stewards and partners with our residents and, uh, helping take care of the houses and our investors, you know, cause we have investors from really all over the world. So, They've all been really good to work with, which has been awesome. Uh, usually it's a little bit tougher sell when you're trying to work with a, with a resident who's getting behind, you know, and the owner wants that tenant out ASAP. And, and this time period has changed that mentality a little bit and said, look, we're all human. We need a place to stay. This We've never seen this before. So let's try to work with them as best as possible. So that's been, that's been a blessing for everybody. I love that. One of the things that when we talk about a moratorium on evictions, I mean, that clearly eliminates one of the tools that landlords have to enforce when a tenant doesn't pay the rent, but that's not the only tool. So if that one's taken away, what other approaches are at your disposal? As far as like to, to keep a tenant moving? Exactly. As as, yeah. So it's funny you asked that. We were just having this conversation about kind of revamping and make it kind of standard practice of going back to cash for keys. So standard eviction for us cost about $225 and uh, that's attorney process server. And then the, the paperwork for the city uh, for the government. So 
we've talked to our, you know, our clients and said, look, why don't we just offer them $250, $250 to be out in two weeks? And most clients are, are jumping on that. We, we had to put some special processes in place to you know, manage that because it's a whole new process. But we saw some good success with it through this pandemic. And so we've kind of re-implemented that as a strategy to try to circumvent the courts. So, you know, because the courts literally, they open back up June 15th. And we've been able to file one writ in two, you know, two and a half weeks, which means the, the ability to, to remove a tenant from a house. We've filed one out of dozens and dozens. So it's, a, it's going to be a slow tr- trudge through this uh, for the next several months. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I imagine the $250 cost that you're referring to pale in comparison to the cost of a unit turn when you do face an eviction. You're probably dealing with much higher costs to get that unit rent ready, where if you if they leave on more amicable terms, your unit turn costs are probably going to be lower. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Uh, yes, that's correct. So in addition to facing the costs of the eviction, when you do face a unit turn, what would you say your average number is? Is it a thousand bucks? Is it two thousand to turn a unit, get it rent ready again? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, about two thousand dollars. Yeah, that's probably about a good average now. I mean, as you know, the the economy's hustling and bustling, and finding labor that's willing to do it for you know <laughs> cheap pricing is is a much harder uh, sell these days. You gotta you gotta make it up on volume, and so yeah, two thousand is probably a very good number to 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 kind of budget for and plan for. So if you can save that and keep that tenant in there, you absolutely want to do that. Cause from our math, you really need that resident be in there for two years plus for it to really cash flow nicely like you want it to. So that makes a lot of sense. What kind of processes and systems did you have to put in place just from a physical standpoint during the pandemic, during the lockdown period? I imagine you're partway out of the lockdown now, although it could come back at any time, depending on how things go. What kind of processes did you have to put in place? Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. We've have it, you know. We used to have residents and tenants, you know, coming through our doors all day, every day for different various reasons: leasing, paying deposits, uh, you know, maintenance issues or whatever. And we have not had anybody inside the building since first of March. We we use traction, so we have rocks and scorecard and processes and things like that. So, and one of the goals uh, for the front desk was uh, I just met with her a couple hours ago. Was how do we not have to have anybody come to this building again? And one of those key you know, and this is a good, good thing, I think, for your listeners to think about, like, you know, we have DocuSign now. So, you know, she is having people bring a form and sign a form to turn the keys in. So we have transfer of ownership back to the property manager coming from a resident. And we rekey anyway. So it's like, you don't need the keys. Why don't you just send them a DocuSign? They can put it on their phone and it waves their rights to the house. They said they moved out and given us possession. So she implemented that. And that's just that's dozens, you know, a couple dozen people that don't have to come to the office anymore and makes it streamlined. And we got, it goes right into the software because it's part of our property management software. And so doing several things like that, it just, the goal is to never go backwards. As bad as all this is, you know, we've been trying to take it as, as like, what's the positive that come out of this to make us stronger, leaner, faster, more efficient, more buttoned up. So uh, we're constantly, you know, working on, on that angle. Have you gone to a higher percentage of ACH or electronic payment for your rent collection as opposed to going and knocking on doors? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's that's one of her measurables. The same person I was just referring to is, is to get people to not pay with money orders and to pay ePay or your local you know grocery store, Walmart. We have all those systems set up. So she's being tracked to get that and get people uh, to have their portals set up so that the residents now, you know, she's got 
out of 2000, 3000 residents, she's got 200 left that don't have a portal set up. And that's one of her goals is to get that to zero so that they can communicate uh, through us through technology and not have to be on the phone or at the office or whatever. So and no more Amazon gift cards. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I love it. So as you look forward, uh, obviously, uh, the stimulus money that's been coming from the government through the CARES Act and through various unemployment benefits uh, is key to that continued flow of money. What do you foresee if the stimulus money dries up? I don't imagine it's going to dry up anytime soon. We're in, we are in the midst of an election, and I don't think either party's going to want to be seen as the one who turned off the taps. But stimulus money does breed dependence, and it's not going to be there indefinitely. What kind of systems are you using or what kind of systems are you planning to implement now so that when that does happen, you survive that transition? Great question. I mean, I think it's, you know, we are pushing hard to get things leased up as high as we can is get, you know, get them. Um, I think we are scrutinizing our applicants to make sure what, what kind of job career those person, that person is in to, ma- to make sure that we have some longevity there. For our owners, we've just really stressed to, you know, cash management and trying to just train them on don't spend the money, you know, just keep it in escrow or keep it in the account with us or, you know, whatever, just to to, to prepare for that. Because I'm, I'm with you. I think you're going to see a, a shift. I know we're in election year, but it just, I just my gut says September, October is going to be some tough, tough roads ahead when things kind of settle into a new norm, you know? Yeah, I feel the same way. One of the things we've done is we've increased cash reserves in all of our projects uh, just to make sure that we have additional financial buffer. Wondering if you've done that with any of your owners. Yeah, I mean, we don't do it for them physically, but we're definitely educating and, and promoting that uh, for sure and doing that for ourselves because I think that's cash is king. And I think you're just going to have to, I don't think it's going to be as bad as what people, you know, I don't think like we're going to go single digits like the hotel industry saw. But I think you're going to see several percentage points uh, dip in the coming months when things when things settle down a little bit. One of the things we're seeing when we talk to investors who are looking to place capital, many of them are saying they're just holding on to their cash right now, waiting for distressed assets to hit the market. Mm-hmm. And feeling as that's probably still a number of months away, are you starting to see distressed assets come into the market? And if so, in what numbers? You know, we are not. I mean, I think uh, I say that we're you're not seeing it from like the the courthouse or foreclosures or banks aren't calling it. I think we're still 12 or 18 months out just from what I'm hearing. Um, I will say on the wholesale front, and I don't know how familiar, you know, your listeners are with wholesaling, but those guys are finding more deals because you've got people that uh, were already kind of, you know, motivated, unsure what they want to do want to get rid of their house. And so this is, this has actually pushed them over the edge. I don't know if you heard that from others, but uh, wholesaling has actually picked up, I think, and uh, getting those motivator sellers to go ahead and sell. So that's, that's the only area I've seen personally uh, uh, an uptick here in Memphis. Yeah, we, we've heard that as well. And we've, we're not active in that particular space ourselves, but from folks that I talk with, we're, we're hearing similar noises along those lines that, uh, there are some folks that might have been on the edge last year and they're, this year they're over the edge. Yep, that's right. Well, Dan, if folks want to get in touch, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Sure, absolutely. You can go to our uh, website, www.6amcc.com. And my email is dan at the number 6amcc.com. I love it. 
Well, Dan, thanks for the perspective. And Memphis is an interesting market. It's one that, as I said, a lot of our listeners do pay close attention to. And so for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Dan at dan at the number six amcc.com and have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs>